I was sent here to watch you, to make sure that you were all right. But now it's clear that you're not. Who are you? We exist in what you would call a temporal inversion fold in the space-time matrix. That's not necessary to understand. It only matters that there was an accident. Welcome back to Delta Flyer. I'm Stuart Hollis. And I'm Fat Hate. This week we're talking about Season 2, Episode 5, Non Sequitur. Yeah, it just did just sort of come up abruptly, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, especially in light of the previous episode, it just... Poof, now we have a Harry Kim bit an alternate reality episode. So part of the reason for that is they wanted to do an episode showcasing stuff that was not on the ship, because in the first several episodes we have three Waddle episodes. So that was part of it. And the other part was that Garrett Wong had requested that they do an episode where Kim actually gets to do something instead of just having something terrible happen to him. Okay, well... Let's talk about what the terrible thing that happened to Harry Kim in this one with our synopsis. Yeah. A temporal anomaly sends Kim into the arms of a lost love in an alternate reality where Kim never boarded the Voyager. Memory Alpha says Harry Kim is placed in an alternate timeline where he was never assigned to Voyager. This episode originally aired on September 25th, 1995, uh, and it was written by Brandon Braga, whom we have discussed quite a bit. And directed by David Livingston, whom we have also discussed. He's the director who has directed more episodes of Star Trek than any other director. It's especially interesting that this was written by Brennan Braga because I believe we talked about this way back in the episode Parallax that we recorded with Ben Nielsen. Uh, mm-hmm. That Brennan Braga loves to write about temporal anomalies. And here we are again. It is a sort of temporal anomaly episode. It is some kind of temporal anomaly, no less. I didn't catch a single some kind of this whole episode. Very end, Chicote says it. We think your shuttlecraft was caught in some kind of temporal anomaly. Oh, okay. And then Harry's like, you mean like a time stream? I guess you right, could say okay. that. Yeah. So we open with Harry Kim dreaming and rem- like having... I mean, like, you know, before we realize what's happening, it's, it almost feels like a, like a nightmare or something. From when he was on the shuttlecraft Drake... They mm-hmm. they named the shuttlecraft? They named all the shuttlecrafts. No, they named the runabouts. Yeah, shuttlecrafts... All the shuttlecrafts have names. Of course they do. I mean, I mean, I, I suppose they're probably just ship-specific. They are often named after explorers, because we had the Galileo, and uh, the oh, Copernicus, yeah. and the Goddard, and other things. Well, Goddard wasn't an explorer per se but you know uh i guess he helped space exploration even if he didn't go out exploring himself well i just assumed that voyager with its 20 shuttles or however many it has that they would have given up on naming (laughs) this is the second time we lose a shuttle on voyager yeah and we didn't get a handy counter from chakotay last season to let us know how many shuttles we have so we better be careful with them (laughs) <laughs> that's where all the replicator rations go man it's a new shuttle <laughs> so speaking of replicators and post scarcity mm-hmm. how did harry kim score that swell apartment hmm it's an interesting question Cause it's like a pretty big apartment with like a really great view and i how how does that work i don't know i mean there's gotta be a, like there must have been a waiting list like a thousand people long or something 
you would think that uh, Ensign straight out of the Academy certainly wouldn't be getting it. Yeah, for real. So, also talking of post-scarcity society of the future, why do they have a subway? Why don't they just have giant transporters? Well, the subway is just there to get you from one side of the city to another. And then from there, in each stop, you're then fracturing off to go to whatever it is you do in the post-scarcity society. So they would need to have basically lots of small transporter stations scattered all yeah. around the city. Yeah, and why not? Power requirements? Uh, it crossed my mind as well, um, but then I got distracted by the fact that it was called Trans uh, Trans Francisco. Uh, I did see that too. Did you also see the UPN logo? No. Be- a lot of little details get lost on the version that I'm watching on uh, on Netflix because mm. uh, of like weird interlacing things. Yeah, I've noticed that Netflix, uh, that the streaming services have not de-interlaced Voyager. CBS All Access is the same way. Yeah, it's very and it's very hit or miss when it's going to come up. Like sometimes, like small details are visible, like in the background or, or like looking at like control panels. But then, like that sign, the only thing that was really super legible on it was Trans Francisco. Okay, well, it was. This is the sign directly above the stairway, not like at the door, but like inside the door and on the back wall about when they come up out of the stairs. Anyway, it had the the old UPN logo, which was the circle. The circle, triangle, square? Yeah. Yeah. They see an X there, and it's, it's you know, game yeah, controller. That's true. Yeah. I, I did see that, and I was watching on DVD, and my DVD player does a very good job of deinterlacing. Like, I wouldn't know it was interlaced unless I knew that it had originally been interlaced. Well, la ti da but anyway, that's a digression, a non sequitur, if you will. Hey. Uh, so, speaking of San Francisco, uh, mm-hmm. because this is set in San Francisco, it is. We had footage from three different Star Trek movies in here. Cool. Yeah. Which ones? Motion Picture Four and Six. I suppose that makes sense. Not too terribly many of them actually came back to San Francisco. Those are the four that have scenes in San Francisco. Yes. Three. Well, yes, that's what I meant to say. Uh, <laughs> uh, and in the stock footage of 4, there actually are two Tellarites in the background. It's the only time Tellarites appear on Voyager. Which ones are Tellarites? The pigs. Ah, okay. And the San Francisco City streets were a Paramount lot that's used... It was a redress of a Paramount lot that's used for New York City streets. And they painted the bricks on the on the street for this episode which seems like it would have cu- it would have been a lot of work just for like 5 minutes of shooting but what do i know yeah that i mean less work than putting down different bricks yeah and i suppose there would have been people like why aren't there why aren't the streets brick it's san francisco but having never been to san francisco yeah i wouldn't have done that but like it's also 24th century San Francisco. How does anyone know what it looks like? It feels like that was a lot of work for not that much gain. Eh. Also, on my aforementioned uh, projector screen, I could tell that they were painted on bricks in the scene where the uh, security officer knocks Harry came over onto the road. I liked how after that, after Paris knocks the guy out... Mm-hmm. That the whole crowd is there, and like not a single one of them 
gives any indication at all that they're going to try to alert anybody of these people that are running away and they all crowd around to help the guy, which I mean, you know, bravo, help the guy. But it reminded me of nothing else other than um, like iRobot and the way that all the robots would crowd around someone. I was like, oh no, are you hurt? Are you hurt? Do you need assistance? (laughs) Mm, You are in danger. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So getting back to the beginning of the episode. Yeah. You know, Harry is immediately unwary of his situations. Yeah. Of his situation and surroundings. It is the sec it is the shortest cold open of the second season. Okay. What was the shortest of the first season? I don't remember. Shucks. There are three cold opens in the second season that are less than a minute long. Yeah, the other one was um projections. Yes. And then the third one is one we have is maneuvers, which we have not yet seen. Maneuvers. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so you know he he's there in his super great apartment, mm-hmm. but he apparently keeps his uniform in the bathroom. That's odd, because Libby like pushes him into the bathroom so he can go get ready for his big meeting. And I just have to assume that he didn't then like pop back out to get his uniform. Okay, so I know that a lot of uh, apartments or houses are designed in such a way that there's a walk-in closet between the master bedroom and the master bathroom. Or like a walk-through closet, I suppose, you could say. Okay. So maybe it was a situation like that? Right, but we saw a couple of times that as soon as you open the door, you see the sink. And from the exterior shot, there's only room in there for like a sink, a toilet, and a shower. Okay, fair enough. I'm just saying. Anyway, once he leaves the apartment... He runs into his old pal, Cosimo. Your old pal, Cosimo. Who gives him Vulcan mocha. I guess it's Vulcan cocoa beans? Or Vulcan coffee beans? And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Or both? I guess. It, I mean, I guess. Dude, Vulcans, like, I mean, I guess they don't derive pleasure from anything, but do they eat for reasons other than nutrition? Just because something's tasty? Is tasty illogical? I mean, there are Vulcan, like, traditional Vulcan dishes and such, so I feel that like... Doesn't make, that doesn't mean they're tasty. I don't know. Yeah. And the way that Cosimo and Libby were talking up this big, important thing and the ship design and all that, I was really hoping for something cooler than a runabout. Hmm. This is the only episode of Voyager with a runabout. Wow, we got a lot of... Yeah, we you do. Know. We do. Yeah. Shortest a... cold open, only one with Tellurites, like... <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Oh, so we we also learned that Harry's middle initials are S.I. Oh, from when he was reviewing his... Yeah. Also, his first name is apparently just Harry. It's not short for Harold or Henry or Harriet. Harrison or... Yeah, it's Harry. Okay. The When I was... So, you didn't ask, but I'll tell you. I oh, didn't really remember anything from this episode. But when I was watching the first time around, the way Cosimo was acting... And, of course, obviously, we're not going to on episode five be like well harry kim's not on the crew anymore he's got separated he's back on on earth he's stuck there now you know obviously i knew like something was up and i knew that cosimo was in on it was it cosimo or was it cosimo it may have been cosimo instead of cosimo i think it was i think it was cosimo uh and then i'm also pretty sure that libby was in on it Mm, it seemed that way yeah yeah, especially when they're doing like like the role play thing of like pretend you haven't seen me for a year. Yeah, especially when you find out later that uh, Lieutenant what's his name had already called her, Lieutenant Laska, who was not in on it. No, 
You better be dying here. Yeah, for real. And he also he obviously subscribes to the the lower my zipper is, the more I'm into it. <laughs> sort you know, field of uh, Starfleet uniform dress. <laughs> yes. Speaking of Starfleet uniform dress, is it Federation regulation that all women must wear silk and or you know or uh, or satin nightgowns? It seems that way. But is but Libby's not even in Starfleet, so like. Yeah, maybe it's just like an Earth rule. But I do actually have a thing to talk... I do want to talk about the Starfleet uniforms there. Uh, because we have some interesting... Uh, you can thing- say it. We have things- say the word Pip. No, I have nothing to say about Pips, actually. <laughs> uh, just the uniform choice in and of themselves. Okay, so this is second season of Voyager. Which takes place at the same time as the f- fourth season of DS9. Ah, so they they should have switched over to no. the new uniforms. No, no, no. no? Okay, no, DS9's mind. still using these uniforms. It's fine. That's not the issue. Uh, the issue is, in the fourth season of DS9, we have... And it's actually a little later in the in the season. I haven't checked the star dates, but I assume that it's probably it takes place after this episode. And if not, certainly around the same period. Uh... There's a two-parter in DS9 where Cisco goes back to Earth and is on temporary duty at Starfleet Command. And everyone, including Cisco, he changes his uniform when he gets there. Everyone on Earth is wearing the TNG-style uniform with the newer combat. Oh, weird. Yes. I think I vaguely remember that and being like, that's weird. Because I never really liked the TNG-style uniform. So... What we have here is, that takes place after this one. And it implies that at Starfleet Command, they're wearing the TNG-style uniform. But in this... And I suppose we could chalk it up to an alternate timeline. It has something to do with Harry Kim's presence. Uh, But... (laughs) But anyway, Starfleet Command, they are not wearing that uniform. So, you know, just an interesting thing to note there. Why did he put on his uniform when he went to go see Tom Paris in Marseille? I wondered that as well. He clearly has, like, civilian knocking around clothes. We come back to the post-scarcity. If he didn't, he could make some. Yeah, for real. Yeah, I, I wondered that as well. Oh, and did you catch Harry Kim's lie? Which one? When 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 he's doing the little role-playing exercise with Libby, and she's like, did he stops on Ryzen? He's like, no, 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 no pleasure planet. Liar! There was that planet that was, at least its first, was very pleasurable. Yes. In fact, he was in the act of not thinking very hard about Libby when he made that important discovery on that planet. That's right, yeah. Not at all pleasurable. <laughs> so... Speaking of Starfleet fashion, how are 24th century ankle bracelets bulkier than 20th century ankle bracelets? That's a good question. Why are they ankle bracelets at all, is the other question I have. Instead of? Instead of anything. A subcutaneous Hmm. tracker. You know, something tiny and innocuous, like what Spock slapped on Kirk's back in the end of Star Trek VI, so so they could find them, well not the end, in the middle of Star Trek VI, so they could find them on the Klingon prison planet. Yeah. Well. And then the final question is, why do they put it on over top of his pants? That's the real question. (laughs) 
like subcutan- subcutaneous transmitter, they could have laws against that sort of action because it's a body violation. I mean, I personally, if I were, um, it, it, and he was only suspected, if I were going to be put on parole, I would prefer to have the innocuous subcutaneous transmitter than the ankle bracelet. Like, I, if they were going to snap, I'd be like, hey, no, could you, couldn't you just put something in my arm? Because it could also be, presumably, it would could, could presumably be deactivated and removed at a later date, the same as you would remove the ankle bracelet. It's weird to me. And it certainly shouldn't be that big and bulky and also shouldn't be on top of his pants. If he changed his pants, would that count? Would that have counted as tampering and set off the alarm? Well, because it wouldn't have broken the circle. He would have slipped his pants up and around or somehow because i guess they're not still doing like the weird because weren't the especially with the tng uniforms didn't get, like almost like integrate with the boot or was that just like how it looked they never integrated with the boot they weren't wearing like onesies no uh, the jumpsuits actually have straps that go over the boots okay that's what i'm thinking of the straps that go but it's just yeah. like a strap it's not yeah yeah no yeah. i that yeah i i heard you yeah because I repeated it back to you. Yeah, it's just like a little elastic thing. The yeah. Anyway, by all means, tell me what a strap is. You understood. I was explaining for the benefit of our listeners, man. <laughs> They're listening to us. They understand. So yeah, the TNG I think also had the straps. I know the DS9 Voyager uniforms have the straps. Okay. And they also have the like triangular cutouts so that you're not obscuring the boots. Hmm. That's that's important. Apparently. Boots are key. You would know this if you had a, you know, proper copy of them. Confession, I just wear normal dress pants without the triangular cutout when I cosplay. (sighs) Someone doesn't care enough about the costume. I also wear just regular black dress shoes because they're more comfortable. (laughs) So getting back to Marseille, Mm -hmm. a couple of things stuck out to me there. One. Reuse of the holodeck set? Well, okay, yeah, that one's definitely one of them. The other thing was, Harry Kim's an ensign who's only ever been on one ship and really only known, like, three pilots. hmm How is, like, I mean, I believe that Tom Parrish is the best he's ever seen, but it doesn't really carry a whole lot of weight with a guy who's, like, a year out of the Academy. Mm. And the other one is that it was totally uh, Cosimo at the bar. I did not notice that. It took me a couple of like, times to catch it. I had to rewind once or twice. Um, and then it w- and I wasn't a hundred percent sure until later when he's sitting down and telling Harry how it is and why he's here. There's, he has distinctive facial features on his right side. Mm. Well, that makes sense that they would have done that. Oh yeah. I mean, I was thinking that like the reason why the camera focused on him was because later when they're like, why are you in Marseille? Why are you talking to Tom Paris? Why did you want him to like help you run shuttle simulations? Like clearly someone was listening in on his conversation. Mm-hmm. I assume that that's what it was. And, like, that person was going to, like, walk in the door or something. Mm. I'm also confused why the Admiral was the one involved with this investigation. So, interestingly, originally they wanted to use Deanna Troy for that, but they couldn't get Marina Sirtis for the episode. Well, Libby did say, go see a counselor. Yeah. Why would Harry Kim already know the restrictions with the ankle bracelet? Common knowledge, I guess? I guess. How many criminals are there? 
A fair number. There, there. Paris wasn't the only person at that penal colony. They already tried putting a penal colony in that part of the world. Like, why are we? Why are we doing this all over again? I imagine the Starfleet one's a little nicer. I'm just saying. Why not on the moon? Because well, there's other people on the moon. It's a big moon. They can put them on the other side. Pink Floyd's favorite side. Mm. So, I don't know for sure if multiflux gamma radiation ever comes up again, because there's no, no mention of it on Memory Alpha. Tetrion, I think, has been used before. Tetrion is a common uh, buzzword. Yeah. But multiflux gamma radiation, I think, is a one and done. So, when, when, when Cosimo is talking with Harry Kim and telling him like it is... Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, hey, Harry, you know, life's not so bad here other than the anklet and being suspected of being a terrorist. He's not wrong. No, he's not. And Harry's counterpoint of, well, what about Tom Paris? And what about Danny Bird, who's now lost in the Delta Quadrant? And I have to, like, I was kind of picturing this alternate reality, like in the actual reality where Danny Bird uh got like a bad conduct discharge or something right out of starfleet because he didn't make it onto voyager and so <laughs> danny's bird life would be actually much much worse <laughs> plus you know think how much better off voyager is without paris well because they still would have gotten pulled into the delta quadrant yes so who would have taken the helm after the same people got blown up mm, would the same people have gotten blown up because things he was just an observer. Yeah, no, yeah, Stadi would still have been at the helm station when it happened, so yes. Well, presumably, there is not only one helm officer on Voyager. It's not like they park for the night and wait until Paris wakes up in the morning. They wouldn't even have to park, they could just coast. It's space, there's no friction. I don't even know, like... <laughs> What the heck he's doing most of the time? But what I'm saying like, is, there's somebody with red shoulders sitting at that station when Paris isn't there. There's probably two or three somebodies with red shoulders that sit at that station when Paris isn't there. Not at the same time. Right. There's, a, there's only one chair there, man. Don't be ridiculous. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Cause we're trying to figure out how, like, how long is a duty shift on there, and like, do they observe a 24-hour day? Mm. I think they do have a 24-hour day. I th- I'm pretty sure they had a 24-hour day on TNG. So it would make sense for them to also have one on Voyager, since it's another Starfleet vessel. I do know that three shifts versus four is captain's discretion, so we Mm -hmm. don't really know. They do a three shift on TNG, but that doesn't mean that that's what they do on Voyager. And didn't they do a four four shift when Captain Ronnie Cox was there? Yes, and that's how Riker got kicked out of the uh, first officer position, because he refused to do it. Uh, honestly, Riker was whining and should have just followed orders like he's supposed to, because it's his job. Speaking of Starfleet chairs, mm-hmm. I like that on the shuttles, they always have like the little pockets in the back of the chairs. I don't know why the pockets are there. I'm not sure what they're stowing in those pockets, but all the chairs have pockets in the back of them. I think they're just regular, like they just bought a whole bunch of the same desk chair. Those are definitely not desk chairs. And desk chairs don't have seat back pockets. Car chairs do, but those aren't car chairs either. Because, like, I know on the if you look closely at the chairs on the bridge of Voyager, they just have they they just look like desk chairs with like regular desk chair casters on the bottom of them. But you're right. If you're talking about the chairs, I'm talking about like on the shuttles and the run and the runs about. Uh, okay, yeah, those are those are probably car chairs. They don't quite look like car chairs. They look more like car chairs than anything else. 
Maybe they're like RV chairs. Ah, they do look very similar, and in fact, maybe the same chairs as the captain and commander's chairs on Voyager. I don't know if we ever really see the back of those chairs to see if they have pockets. Right, but I'm thinking the front looks very similar. I suppose. Different color. But if you look at the chair that Paris sits in, or the chairs that uh, Kim and Tuvok never sit in, they just look like normal desk chairs. Wait, they have chairs? Yes, they do. But their consoles are at standing height. I know. I hope they have those, like, squishy mat things they can be standing on all day. (laughs) I don't know. But, yes, in a couple scenes, you will see that there is, like, a chair there. Well, there are consoles behind them. Yeah. But someone sitting at the console, like, directly behind Kim, that would get awkward. Because it's not like there's a lot of space there. I always just sort of of assumed those were there for him to turn around and tap some buttons behind him. Yeah, probably, and the chair is there for if he wants to sit down while he's tapping those buttons behind him. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of chairs on the bridge and people on the bridge, I it was amusing, the, the final scene on the bridge where they cram everybody on there so that they could, you know, get their credit for the episode. <laughs> Although we don't have the Doctor, Neelix, or Kess in this episode. It is, in fact, the first episode without Kess. So when Janeway asks uh, Bellana to, like, pump it through the main deflector dish... Mm-hmm. Where are the other deflector dishes? Bolana, can you tie the transporter directly into the main deflector dish? Use it to extend the signal. I don't know, but you'd want to have an auxiliary in case the main dies. I suppose, yeah. I, I wonder... Mean, the main deflector dish is out. Two sec- Half a second later. Oh, there's a huge hull breach because we hit a speck of dust. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you need to have backups for that. <laughs> I mean, I guess if, like, if you look at the front of Voyager, the deflector area Mm -hmm. does have like those three sections to it yeah it does so i wonder yeah i guess like maybe the middle one which is slightly larger is the main deflector and the other two are like not backups but whatever's like secondary deflectors yeah probably or it could be something else entirely but they do call it the main deflector dish on like all of star trek yeah so i have to wonder when harry kim was escaping down the fire escape Mm -hmm. they couldn't like pull libby Away from the window? Yeah, that was weird. And yet one gets out on the fire escape almost immediately anyway, so I guess they he, did? He like ran, it looked like... Well, no, he ran through someone else's apartment and jumped through a window. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because that's, that's what it sure looked like to me anyway. Yeah, and I have to say, I always have wanted to do the fire escape ladder thing. Mm, yeah, I know, right? But I'm pretty sure it would not be so smooth a ride. No. I probably wouldn't die, but... I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much as I think I would. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that that scene where Libby's just standing there and says sorry, and they just turn around and leave. It's like, what? What is that? Yeah, especially in light of the guy, like, later tackling Harry and, like, get it, looks like he's getting ready to, like, kick the crap out of him or something until he pulls his phaser. And it's like, I was thinking, maybe the Federation is just, like, too polite for its own good. Hmm. Could be. Yeah. But then we have... Harry, like, telling Libby, you know, that he'll be back and whatever. It's like, she's not going to remember. If you succeed, she's not going to know. If you don't succeed, you won't be back. Okay, so here is one possibility. Mm -hmm. He has stepped into an alternate reality and has, and like, his consciousness has taken over the body of that reality's Harry Kim. Ah. So, she will remember that conversation, 
and she'll have to have a whole new, fresh, confusing conversation with the original Harry Kim. Except she won't, because if he took the place of the original Harry Kim, the original Harry Kim was beamed into space right before his shuttle exploded. Oh, Harry Kim's a murderer. <laughs> yes. He committed self-aside. Interestingly, not the only time an alternate timeline Harry Kim dies this season. <laughs> <laughs> should should we add this to the Harry Kim death count? I mean, I, I think in a way, yeah, it counts. Only under my presumption that he took the place of. Yeah. But I mean, like, what else is the explanation? Like, he has all the memories of his of his original reality. Yes. So yeah, no, he took over. But then where did this Harry Kim go while he was in this Harry Kim? He was on board original OG Harry Kim's Voyager. But they didn't have any inclination that that is what happened. Otherwise, they would have been like, it's good to have you, like, have the actual you back. Mm. Well, no, because he steps back at the exact moment of the incident. He does. Which seems highly unlikely. This is all very confusing. Especially with Cosimo saying that there's no guarantee... It seems highly unlikely that he would have ended up exactly at the same point where he left, especially because, you know, the variables were different. Yes, he tried to recreate it, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't happening at the same place at the same time. And I re- I know, I know, time is a construct. But you know what I'm That's saying. That's right. Do you know what? I think that my initial impressions of the episode in the very first couple of seconds that he was having a nightmare, that's the real truth. It was all in his mind the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Ah, that's possible, too. That's, honest to God, might be the only reasonable explanation. It would be a rational explanation for everything. It would explain all of the inconsistencies. Right? Because if it's, if, it's, if it's a dream, then uniform inconsistencies don't matter at all, because it's a dream. Of course everyone's wearing the same kind of uniform he's wearing. Yeah. Of course Dream Harry Kim would have a nice apartment. Yeah. Yep, I think you solved it. Boom. Thank you. Harry Kim got bored on a mission... And had a daydream right before shuttle exploded. Yes. Did the shuttle explode due to Harry Kim's negligence of falling asleep while being bored on a mission? I think that is also the only reasonable explanation. And this would explain why he never gets promoted from Ensign. Yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely uh, touched on Lieutenant Alaska being like, "Nail this, and you'll make lieutenant." <laughs> like, haha! No, you won't, Harry Kim. Well, and that's I'm- why that was part of the dream too. Yeah. Well, I'm saying, if Harry Kim is the sort of, you know, carefree person who doesn't pay attention to his duties, falls asleep on the job, and results in one of presumably a limited number of shuttles being destroyed, then of course he's never going to get promoted. Yeah. This episode answers everything. Exactly. In this dream, he's back with the woman he loves. Not just that, they're engaged. Mm-hmm. He has a favorite coffee shop. He's got a swell apartment. He's going to make lieutenant. Yeah. Like, Yeah. You know, he gets to kind of boss Tom Paris around a little bit. Like this, this is pure fantasy. It definitely is. Yeah, I'm I'm coming around to this idea. I think this is absolutely what happened. The only like the only last thing I have is basically like the last bit of the episode where taps Tom Paris on the shoulder and he's like, "I owe you one." And Tom Paris' face is like, "I don't know what that's about, but I'll take it." <laughs> yeah, that's just Kim not realizing it was a dream. Yeah, exactly. Because it all seems so real. And you were there. And you were there. (laughs) (laughs) And now he's safe and sound back in 2355. I know that's not the right year. 71. That's not the point. (laughs) Actually, it might be 72 at this point. I don't know. I I can't convert star dates to years in my head. 
Slacker. I know. So, did you have anything else that you wanted to? It is twenty three seventy two. No, I think we covered more or less everything. Yeah, those are all my thoughts. I, I mean, all in all, it was our all right episode. I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, you know, nice to get off the ship a little bit, I guess. Even oh. it all was just a dream. <laughs> yeah. Next week we'll be talking about Twisted. Thanks for listening this week. Uh, if you enjoyed it, you can also check out our other podcast, Stargate Weekly. You can find and review both of our podcasts on your podcast player of choice, and you can also reach us at our email address, deltaflyerpod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Gamicus. You can find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. And you can follow our show on Twitter at Delta Flyer Pod. And that's our show. Yeah. <laughs>